Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. So y'all, every year we take one Sunday to kind of uh, peer into the future of our church. <clears throat> and you say, why, why didn't we do this in January? This is actually one of the best times of year to do it, because I mean, we just got through summer and we're all kind of getting back on our schedules and kind of back focused on things. So this isn't just for like the rest of 2019. This is kind of our vision for the next year from this point until next September. All right. Um, I'm really excited because God's really been stirring stuff in my heart and I have this kind of deep expectation for what's coming. But before we get into the future, let me actually give you a little bit of history. So 11 years ago, when Beth and I had only been married a few months, what's the matter, Beth? <laughs> so 11 years ago, when Beth and I had only been married a few months, my dad approached us and he said, you want to help me start a church? And uh, he, he wanted me to be the worship leader. And I enthusiastically said, yes. I'd been leading my youth band for a few years up till this point. And I, when you get married, you're no longer a part of the youth group for some reason. So I was like, I was kind of like, what do I do now? So I was pretty excited. And after all, I was a 19-year-old guy who thought I had it all together and knew everything. And I was going to be the best worship leader around. Well, y'all, it didn't take me very long to figure out that I didn't know much of anything. So if you would have come to church back then... Worship would have been, like, unbearably loud. And uh, <laughs> I got a thumbs up back there. Jason remembers. And um, I, I picked songs just because I liked them. Like, that's, that was my whole, like, song selection process for church. Do I like this song or do I not? <laughs> and that's why I picked it. So, thankfully, I grew up along the way. In our second year of the church, my dad actually sent me to Bible school. Um, it, I didn't want to go, but he kind of made me go. And I'm really thankful that he made me go because those two years being immersed in the Word of God is what got me to where I am today and made me who I am today. So now, th there were some other things. It wasn't just Bible school that my, that my dad did that I didn't like along the way. <clears throat> you see, I was quite, quite an opinionated person all those years. Like, I thought I had the best ideas, and I thought that my dad always needed to hear them. Like, for what, what could be better at the church, you know? And so I, I told him, he's, he's back there, he's like, yeah, I remember. And actually, I pushed him so hard that one day, I remember, he, he sat me down at his house, and he said, Caden, you either stop sharing your opinion, or you can step out of leadership, because I can't take it anymore. Seems kind of harsh, right? And actually, it made me so mad that I, Beth and I went home after that. I was, I was so mad, I was crying. I was like, we're never going back to church, That conversation shaped me, though. Like, it shaved off one of my many rough edges. And the thing is, like, my dad sacrificed by temporarily putting our relationship at odds so that he could help me become the man that I was supposed to be. And, you know, there's not very many people that are willing to, to do that, to make those hard decisions. So, Dad, thank you for investing in me. And, Dad, thank you for investing in this church all those years. Because, yeah, let's give him a hand. Y'all, without my dad, we wouldn't be where we are today. So my dad, Mark Young, in case you didn't know, is the founding pastor of our church, and he actually led this church for 
over 10 years. And most believe that the founding pastor kind of has to like stay the pastor until he dies. But that, that was never God's plan for my dad. And my dad knew that since he started the church, actually. And there were several years, <clears throat> probably more than several that went by, that my dad was looking for the next lead pastor. Like, who's it going to be? He's searching. And they just weren't here. And then everybody would look to me and they'd be like, Kate, it's you. And I'd be like, oh, Lord, no, it ain't me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just here to be the worship leader. Like, that's what God's called me to do. There's nothing in me that felt called to pastor but it all changed. In 2017, it's kind of like God opened a new door within me, and I began to see the future of our church. You see, up until that point, like, I, I didn't have the vision of our church. Like, I, I was a worship leader, and I was dedicated to my church, and I loved my church, but I didn't have the vision for my church until one day, like, it's like a door opened on the inside of me. I was like, oh my gosh, I see where the church is supposed to go. The only problem was, I couldn't see myself, like, being a traditional pastor, like, America kind of has this idea of what a pastor should be, what a pastor should look like, and what a pastor should do, and I just, like, couldn't fit into that. I was like, I can't, I can't fit that. And then one day while, while I was out hiking, the Lord spoke up on the inside of me. He said, Cain, who says that you have to pastor like everybody else pastors? And I was kind of stunned. Like, I couldn't come up with a good answer. Like, I was really trying to come up with something that sounded, like, real spiritual, you know, <clears throat> because that's how pastors are supposed to be. But this one question made me realize that God called me to be me. He called me to pastor like he called me to pastor. And that's what released me to accept the call to pastor. I realized that the comparison trap stopped with me. And I could step into what God had called me to do. So here we are. I've been leading our church for a little over a year now. You guys may remember it was back in June of last year that we kind of handed the baton over. And uh, as promised, I don't meet America's expectations for a pastor I'm, I'm really young, and that's what throws most people off, because I'll, I'll be doing tours for the event center to show them our building, and it, it always comes out like, I, yeah, this is a church, and yes, I pastor the church, and they're like, oh, wow. It throws them off because I'm young, and I also, like when I'm not at church, I'm wearing a man bun, because I don't like to fix my hair that often. I do it for you guys, just so nobody gets offended by a man bun on stage. I don't know, maybe I'll be released from that and start wearing my hair tie and my hair... <laughs> And I only speak about 50% of the time here at church, and that throws some other people off. We actually had somebody come visit, and they came two Sundays in a row, and they're like, well, when are we going to hear from you? I was like, well, it's actually going to be three more Sundays before I speak next. And they just thought that was so strange. But here's the deal. Like, we have a lot of gifted speakers and teachers here that God's placed in this church, and you guys need to hear from them just as much as you hear from me, because we need variety, right? We all, we all have a gift to share. I love being here with you guys, and I love preparing messages from the Word that are going to lead you guys to your best life. And I love being the one that gets to empower our leadership team here at the church to do what they've been called to do. And I love being able to empower our volunteers here to do what they've been called to do. Seriously, I was made for this. And I'm confident in that. And every week that goes by, I just get more and more excited for what God's doing through this church and, and what He's going to do later on. Which brings us to the future. And if we look over the past year, I believe we've been in a season of preparation. The, the Holy Spirit's been bringing us together and, and teaching us how to love each other better so that we can, we can go into this, this next season in unity, because it's very important that we're all on the same page. And now that we're united, I believe that we are. We're ready for the next step. No Limits Church is going to lead people to Jesus. And I'm not just talking about a few people here and there. I'm talking about, like, God is going to bring a harvest of people who don't know him into our church, and they're going to find Jesus, and their eternity is going to be changed forever through our church. 
Isn't that awesome? Here's the coolest part. Like, it's not like we're just going to lead, the, lead them to Jesus and then kind of leave them to, to figure it out on their own, like happens a lot of times. No, we're going to walk with them every step of the way as they find their best life, which is the life that God created them to live. Guys, this isn't something that I just hope happens. Like, this is something that's a deep expectation on the inside of me. It's like God planted something right down here in my spirit that's just like stirring and, and it just won't stop. I'm like, this is coming and God's been preparing us for it. So God's let me peer into the future and I'm confident that we're going to see this come to pass. Stoked. So all that's motivated, motivating and inspiring, but my analytical people out there, where you at? I'm kind of analytical myself. So you're like, yeah, sounds great, Cade, but, but, but how? How are we going to do that? So you guys should know by now that I can't let a Sunday go by without giving you all some steps to take, right? So let me show you exactly how we're going to bring people to Jesus and how we're going to lead them to their best life. And there's actually four steps that we're going to lead them through. We're going to call it the four steps in the spiritual journey. So these are the steps that we're going to use to lead people to their best life. And you know what? This isn't just my idea. This isn't just an idea that I got from another church. It's actually an idea that was introduced by the Apostle Paul. So how many think that's probably a pretty good idea? So you guys probably had a handout in your seat. Uh, go ahead and get a pen ready, and let's fill in these blanks. But first, we're going to start with that scripture that's at the top there. So this is, what, this is Paul here speaking, Ephesians 1, verse 16 through 19. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So our first step in anybody's spiritual journey is you've got to know God first. And I'm not talking about like you just know about God. Like you have to really know him relationally, like you would know a best friend. You need a close relationship with God. So let's keep reading. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light. So before we come to Jesus, like our, our hearts are full of darkness. And because of our, you know, it's all because of our past choices, like our bad choices, and then we have regrets and disappointment and all, all other kinds of nonsense going on on the inside of us. So the second part of your spiritual journey is kind of when the light bulb turns on and it starts to drive out all of that darkness. It's when you find freedom from your past. And that's awesome. Your heart's flooded with light and all that darkness disappears. So, and here's why. So that you can understand the confident hope he's given those he called. So once you know God and you've found freedom, you're ready to step into your calling. You're ready to discover why you're here. And you take on confidence of knowing, I was made for this. And I'm doing what I was made for. You see, the thing is, like most of us are searching for fulfillment in the things that the world has to offer because we haven't yet found we don't have this confident hope that, on what God's called us to do, so we're unfulfilled, and we're kind of like searching for that fulfillment, and the world can't give it to you, like maybe glimpses here and there, but if you want real fulfillment, you have to have that confident hope that I'm doing what God has called me to do. I was made for this, and the second part of this verse says, his holy people who are rich and glorious inheritance, so that's the final step in our spiritual journey is when we all come together as a group of people who know God, we've all found freedom, We've all discovered our purpose, and we come together as God's holy people. Can you guys imagine? Can you imagine how pleased God would be with that kind of church, where everybody knows God, where everybody's found freedom, and where everybody has discovered their purpose? Can you imagine the difference that we can make in our community, and the difference we could make all around the world? So we're going to unpack all four of these steps for you so you can understand them better. But first, I want to read you this same scripture in the message translation, just to really help drive it home. It says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. 
You can grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy and boundless strength. That's the future of our church. Endless energy and boundless strength. Ah, Stoked. All right. So step one, you can fill in the blank now if you didn't do that already, is to know God. Like I said, we're not talking about knowing him mentally. I'm not saying this is like how you know who the president is or you know who your favorite movie star is. This is like an intimate kind of know, like you know a best friend. And the sad thing is many people live their entire lives without knowing God. Like they may have perfect church attendance and still not know God. You want me to show you guys how serious this is? Take a look at these words from Jesus found in Matthew 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. So what kind of people is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about all those people who like love to keep rules and like brag about all their achievements. And it's, it's kind of like all about them. And that, but they put Jesus' name on it. And they probably even do it through a church. And they're so awesome. They get to play sin police and tell everybody else what's wrong in their lives, and then kind of like elevate themselves above as some kind of superior Christian, like they got it all figured out. But here's the deal. People that act like that, I can promise you, they don't know God. You know how I know? Because those who really know God, they're full of love. And love doesn't act that way. When, Jesus, when you know Jesus and you know God personally, like he fills you with compassion. He fills you with joy. He fills you with patience, and he fills you with kindness. That's what happens when you know God. So it doesn't matter if you're like someone, like we just talked about, who's over here and like keeps all the rules, and like they're living this perfect life, and, and they're elevating themselves above everybody else, or if you're this person that's over here that's deep in sin, like living a worldly life, like both sides of the spectrum need to come and know God. So we're going to serve both groups of people. It's going to be awesome. So how do we help people know God here at No Limits? Through our Sunday services. This isn't the only way that we help people know God, but it's going to be the primary way that we help people know God. You see, most churchgoers see Sunday services as something that exists for them. It's my experience. I'm coming to get what I need from the church. But we see things a little differently here at No Limits. Sundays are not for me. They're for the people that are going to come here and know God for the first time, or for the first time in a long time. In other words, the reason we come to church on Sundays is not for ourselves. We're here for everybody else. That's why we serve in kids' ministry. That's why we serve on the hospitality team, on the worship team. So many of you guys know that our worship leader, Dylan, the one that was up here in the checkered shirt, is my brother. And he's actually eight years younger than me. And and thinking back to when he was a kid, actually kind of makes me chuckle, because <laughs> he, he was a funny kid, and uh, I, being eight years older than him, like, I, I teased the heck out of him, guys. Like, it was a good time. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that we actually have a good relationship today with how much I picked on him when he were kids. When we were kids, I think it's probably because, like, he got a little break from me, because I got married so young, and so we had a little moment of recovery time, and then we got to build a relationship but growing up, we, ha- we had a pretty calm life because my parents are awesome. They really are. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And so, I mean, it was just, it was just calm. And, and one, like, normal day, I can remember 
we all just noticed Dylan was missing. And, you know, that was nothing new, because he was, he's just kind of like a, an honorary kid with a lot of energy. So I just go through the, Dylan, where are you, Dylan? I'm looking through the house, trying to find him. A few minutes go by, and I started to get nervous. So I enlisted the family to help me out. So we're looking all around the house. We go and look outside. You see, we lived on four acres, and there was like this creek that went down the middle of our property, which was actually kind of dangerous for small kids. So we're like walking the creek, and we're looking, and we can't call in his name. We can't find him. And it got so serious that we went and knocked on all the neighbors' doors. We're like, have you seen Dylan? Have you seen Dylan? No. And here's the deal. Dylan was such like a likable kid, like all the neighbors loved him. So they just rushed outside of their door, and they started looking too. And, and guys, we, we were honest, like we were nervous. That like, did somebody take him? Did he like go over into the pasture and get kicked by a horse? Like, is, where is he? Where's Dylan? So here we are, like half the neighborhood has dropped everything to find this three-year-old kid. Yeah, he's like three or four years old at the time. I don't think I mentioned that. But here's the deal. None of us cared what was going on around us at the time. Like, all we, were folk, all we could think about was like, where's, where's Dylan? Find Dylan. So it's moments like this. You don't even realize that you have to use the restroom. You don't realize that you're hungry. You don't re- I don't even think my mom was thinking about me at the time, her other kid. You know, all, all we were thinking about was Dylan. And you know what? This is the exact feeling that Jesus had whenever he wrote this scripture in Luke 15, 7. There's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. In other words, if Jesus had to choose, he would leave the found and he'd go find the lost. And this is exactly why we have a service every Sunday, because it's our best opportunity to help people know God. So if all this time you've come to church with yourself on your mind, I want you to remind yourself of this story. I want you to remember how important it is to God that his lost children get saved. Like, that's why we're here. So from this point forward, come to church expecting the lost to get saved, and maybe even pray on the way here that God's going to bring them into our church and let them have the experience and information and all that needed to come to know God. And be that person that extends joy and love to those people when they walk in the door so that you can usher them into God's presence. So I want, I want you guys to understand that Sunday services, they're not designed for you. They're designed to reach the lost. So if you don't like how loud it is or like how friendly it is or how simple the message is or any of that kind of stuff, well, it's not about you. <laughs> Hate to tell you. Now, before we go on, you may, want to, you may kind of wonder what happened with Dylan. You obviously know we found him because he's here, he's here with us today. But what he did is D- Dylan decided he wanted to play hide and seek without telling anybody. He, he was one man show hide and seek. I, I don't know how that's going to work out. So he went and he hid in the laundry room in the basket under the clothes. But it was around nap time, so he fell asleep. And that's why he didn't hear us calling for him. So... Mom, Dad, do you remember how long we actually looked for him before we found him in the laundry basket? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Dylan's okay, y'all. But it was still, yeah, nerve-wracking. So the primary way we help people know God is through our Sunday services. And since our Sunday services are primarily designed to reach the lost, we have to have services that lost people love to attend. Does that make sense to everybody? So that means, like, we, we need fog machines and more lights and stuff like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that's what they're looking for. No, that's not what we need. But no longer are you going to care about how loud it is or, like, if we sang your favorite song or not or how much you hated that song that we just sang or how rowdy the kids were in kids' ministry this morning and you had to be the one in there serving. 
you're just going to be stoked that the person sitting next to you and the people that came to church today are going to have an opportunity to know God because that's why we're here. So how do we create services that lost people love to attend? The smoke machine, the light. No, I'm actually going to give you four things that guide us. And the first thing is Sunday services have to be a place that's enjoyable. You guys, we believe that church should be enjoyable. Like it should be something you can't wait to get to and something that you're kind of sad when it's over. David said it pretty well in Psalms. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Some of you, all your story is I was sad when my husband woke me up and told me I had to go to church or when my wife woke me up and told me I had to go to church. (laughs) I don't, man. But we should be glad to go to the house of the Lord. So this is why we have coffee. That's why we have great music. That's why I put a joke or two in my messages and hope that it's funny to you guys. The funny thing is like, a lot of times, like, I didn't even know it was a joke. I thought I was being serious, and you guys laugh anyway, so. <laughs> but having an, having an enjoyable experience, it's not enough on its own. Here's the second thing we need, and that's a place to experience God's presence. In the end, the music, the lights, the coffee, none of it matters if somebody didn't have a personal encounter with God and His Spirit. That's why we pray before service, and that's why we have that at least one song in our worship experience where it just kind of like the presence of God can fall in the room and we can have that intimate conversation with God while we sing. And that's why we give time at the end of our messages to let people have a conversation with God. So if you think that's a little weird, like when the music comes up and I'm like, y'all take a moment, talk to God. It's intentional because we need to experience God's presence. And it's why we're willing to let God hijack any one of our services. Y'all, if a move of healing swept across this room, you better know that we would follow that instead of following our plan. And although God does that, I've seen it happen many times, the primary way that God leads us is by leading me and our team as we prepare for Sunday morning. Which leads me into our next thing. They need to be a place where people learn how to apply the Bible. Like church should be a place where people learn how to apply the Bible to their daily life, not just some like extravagant over your head type of message, but like, here's your next step to take and here's what you can do tomorrow to apply the Bible to your life. And that's why we put our messages in series because you have a better chance at like grabbing onto a biblical concept when we stick at it for a few weeks and look at it from a couple different angles. And that's why I I plan far into the future. Guys, I know what I'm going to be speaking on in December. I plan about it three months in advance. I'm willing to change it, but whenever I'm doing that three-month plan, I'm like, Lord, lead me in the series that we need to do for our church. So that's why we plan, because we want you guys to take something home that you can apply from the Bible. And the last thing is, Sunday services have to be a place to accept Jesus. We believe that church should be a place where people can accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So every Sunday, regardless of what the message is, we're going to lead it into a salvation message where people can come and know Jesus. So if you're wondering why we do that at the end of every, why does Cade keep doing that? It's because every person deserves an opportunity to make Jesus their Lord. Don't you guys agree with that? So the whole reason we're here is for people to find God, and every Sunday we're going to give them that opportunity. So here's the deal. If church isn't about you, what do you have to do with it? Well, I want you to join me on this mission, because I can't do this by myself. The best chance we have at helping people know God is for you to bring your unchurched friends to church, your unchurched neighbors, coworkers to church. You, should, you don't have to bring somebody with you every Sunday, but there should be a few Sundays a year that you have somebody sitting next to you that's your friend, your coworker, your neighbor that doesn't know God yet so that they can have a chance to know God. Because here's the deal. You have a circle of influence that I don't have. 
Like I was called to reach the people that are in my life and you were called to reach the people that are in your life. And when we all do our part, it's going to blow our minds. But here's the deal. If you're, if you're nervous about inviting your own church friends to church, like I get it. Maybe that's why you haven't invited them yet. Let me give you four things to help you out with that. The first thing you got to do is you got to accept that, the, accept the personal responsibility. Accept the fact that your family, your coworkers, your neighbors are your responsibility. Like God puts you in their life to help them know God. You're not waiting for someone else to come along to reach them. Like you're going to reach them. It's your responsibility. And it's important to you because you realize this isn't about the here and now. This is about their eternity. Like you have an opportunity to transition somebody from an eternity in hell to an eternity in heaven. You see, we get all nervous that like we're going to be made fun of or maybe that like we're going to make somebody mad by inviting them to church. All we're thinking about is the here and now. But if you kind of transition that and you take just a second to realize this could impact their eternity, because remember we have this life and then we have eternity, which do you think is more important? Let that motivate you to invite people. So just like my dad did with me, like we have to get to that point where we're okay with putting our, our relationship temporarily at odds with that person to have a chance at impacting their eternity. We have the opportunity to lead people to Jesus probably every day and change their eternity from hell to heaven. The next thing you got to do is build a personal relationship. When we think of sharing Jesus, most of us probably like our mind goes to that person that goes to downtown Tulsa and they have, they have a sign that says Jesus or something like that. And they're like, you're going to hell if you don't know Jesus. And they're shouting and they're making all kinds of racket. That's probably not the best strategy. Like that's not what I'm asking you guys to do. You see, people aren't looking for a debate. People are not looking for you to tell them what's wrong with their life. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for somebody that actually cares about them. So it's interesting. We often feel like sharing Jesus is a rush job, like we have to hurry up and get into it. And because we're in such a hurry, we actually end up kind of like word vomiting on people and and just making them feel like we we really don't even care about them. We just have an agenda that we're trying to accomplish. So let me encourage you like to relax because these are real people with real, and they need real relationships just like you do. And all this can happen in a normal conversation. Like it doesn't have to be awkward. And if you're willing, the Holy Spirit will lead you in those conversations. And he actually is going to open the door. It's going to happen so naturally that you won't, you're like, wow, that wasn't bad at all. So you listen to the next thing is when you share your personal story. Because telling other people what's wrong in their life or, or arguing about the Bible with other people, it's just not going to work. When's the last time that you guys argued with somebody and you actually changed their mind? Seriously. But sharing what Jesus has done in your life, now that's something that works, because who's going to argue with your story? The Bible says we're witnesses for Jesus, right? And when you think of a witness that takes like the stand in the court system, they don't get up there to tell somebody else's story. They get up there to tell their story. So that's why we're witnesses for Jesus. And here's the last thing. You've got to give them a personal invitation. Building a relationship and sharing your story are both part of this process, but at some point you've got to ask them to do something. You can either lead them to Jesus on your own, which is awesome, or you can invite them to church. 
And we will always give people an opportunity to know Jesus. The temptation at this point is, is to stay quiet, though, because you feel like asking them to come to church is going to be a little inconvenient or a little awkward or something like that. But you know what? I bet you there's somebody in your circle right now that's waiting for you to ask. Like they see you going to church every Sunday. They see that your life's a little different than theirs, and they, but they're not going to ask you. Like they're waiting on you to ask them. So you may just want to take a minute and think about, like, who is that? Sure, they might say no. And I guess that's a fear that a lot of people have. What if they say no? Realize they're not really saying no. They're just saying not right now. Like, they're not ready yet. And that's okay. You can always ask them again, and the next time, you might get a yes. Because you're going to continue building that relationship, right? You're not just going to stop because they said no. Because we're not, this isn't an agenda. This is all about relationship. All right, so step one in the spiritual journey is all about knowing God, and the primary way, way we help people know God is through our Sunday services, and the way we get un- unchurched people to our services is because we're all going to take responsibility for our own circle of influence and invite people to church who need to know God. So I know this first step took a while to get through, right? And you're like, oh, oh man, we got three more steps to do, and they, they all take just as long. So we're going to be here a little... No, I'm just playing with you guys. <laughs> the next three actually move pretty quick. So let's get on to the next step. It's on the back of your handout if you want to flip that over. So once you know God, the next step on your spiritual journey is to get rid of all that stuff from your past. It's time to step into freedom. And surprisingly, the way that God intends for this to happen is through relationships. What? Let me show this to you in two places. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. And then Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Interesting, huh? So how do we help people find freedom here at No Limits? Through our small groups. The goal is for Sunday services, guys, to get bigger and bigger and bigger because there's a lot of people out there that need to know God. But at the same time, the church has to get smaller because we need relationships And that's why we have small groups. Small groups are where we build relationships. It's where you get a group of people close enough so that the others in your group notice when you're hurting and they kind of lead you into that path of healing. We believe that life change happens in the context of small groups, in the context of relationships. So small groups have one simple purpose, to bring people together because it's that important. You need these relationships. I need these relationships, and there's actually three things that small groups give you, and the first one is a place to connect with others. If you only come to Sunday services, you probably realize that it's really hard to really connect with people. Like, it's kind of like, there's just too many people here, too much going on for us to really make those deep connections. Small groups solve this problem because there's only about eight to 12 people in a small group, so you have time to really connect with people and get to know them. And the second thing is small groups give you, are a place to protect each other. You see, when we're on an island kind of living by ourselves, it's really easy to get off track, especially when nobody knows about it, and you just keep going deeper and deeper. But when you have a group of people around you who genuinely care about you, they ain't going to let you go that far. At some point, they're going to grab your hand and they're going to say, well, nope, we're going this way. You were heading the wrong direction, and they're going to love you back to wholeness. Third thing small groups give you is a place to grow together. So I told you that Sunday services were primarily designed to reach the lost. Maybe some of you have that question like, wait, kid, what about spiritual growth? What, what about discipleship? Well, small groups is where both of those things happen. Because throughout the year, we're going to have groups on prayer. We'll have Bible studies. And we'll even have groups to help you all get out of debt. 
like all kind of growth happening in small groups, spiritual growth and discipleship happens best in a small group because you need those one-on-one connections, you need that accountability because that's what discipleship really is. So before we move on to the next step, let me just give you a brief overview of how our small groups work. First thing you need to know is that our small groups are free market. What this means is that the topic of our small group is not the purpose of the small group. The purpose of small groups is relationships. So that's why we want people to gather based on what they enjoy or maybe what they all have in common. Like, that's perfectly okay with us. So you're going to see interest-based groups throughout the year. Like, you'll see a group for entrepreneurs. You'll see a group for people who like to go hiking. You'll see a group for people who like to get together on Saturdays and play games. Weird people right there. But, hey, they got to get together, too. You also see groups for, like, men, women, marriage, students, prayer, and outreach. Here's the second thing you need to know. There's three semesters of small groups every year. You see, life kind of flows in seasons, and we want to make it easy for you guys to be in the right small group in the right season of your life. That's why our groups start and stop three times a year. We have our winter and spring semester, which is 13 weeks. That goes from January to May. Summer semester is a little bit shorter. It's only six weeks, June and July, and then we're getting ready to start our fall semester actually next week. And it's 13 weeks as well. It goes from September, and it ends like the first week of December, so it doesn't kind of get in the way of holidays and stuff like that. Next thing you need to know is that everyone can join a small group. And our hope is that everybody here at No Limits is in a small group in every semester. And actually, people who don't even attend our Sunday services, they're welcome in our small groups, and we want them in our small groups. Actually, I think it'd be so awesome if there were more people attending our small groups every week than attended Sunday service. That would just be incredible to me. Last thing is anybody can host a group. Like, we all have something to offer others, and hosting a group might just be the way for you to do that. There's no, like, restrictions or anything. Like, if, if hosting a group is on your heart, you just let us know, and we're going to guide you through that process and give you the tools you need to host a group, all right? It's a little late for the fall semester because we already have those set, but if you want to host a group in the winter semester, which starts in January, just let us know. We'll get it all going for you. All right, step three, discover purpose. So once you know God and you've found freedom, you're fully prepared to step into the assignment that God has for you. The problem is you just may not know where to find it. Where is my assignment? What has God called me to do? And there's a lot of Christians out there who who know God, and they found freedom. And then they're just kind of like wandering around, like they're kind of like serving in kids' ministry and serving on the hospitality team. And they're just kind of like wandering through the things of the church. But they're not really fulfilled because they haven't found like, what has God called me to do? Where's my place? And they're frustrated because they feel unfulfilled. So how do we help people like discover their purpose here at No Limits? Well, through something we call the growth track. And this is a piece of our church that we've been missing for the last 11 years. We've never had like a step-by-step guide for people to discover their purpose. But we're fixing it with the growth track. It's a simple four-step process that happens over four weeks. And it's something that we're going to offer every month. So like step one of the growth tracks on the first Sunday of the month, and it happens right after church. This isn't something you have to go through multiple times. It's just a one-time thing. But here's the deal. We're going to have a constant flow of people coming in to know God, and then we need to guide them through this process, and we want to always have that available for them. So that's why it's going to happen every month. Let me give you a brief overview of what happens in each step of the growth track. On the first step is when we give people an opportunity to become a member here at No Limits. And my message today is actually pretty much what people are going to get at step one of the growth track. They're going to learn about our church They're going to learn how to progress in their spiritual journey, and they'll even have an opportunity to join our church. Because here's the deal. Everybody needs to be part of a church. Everybody needs that support system, and this is an opportunity for people to make a decision one way or the other. 
Because the last thing I want is for people to like kind of waste time here when God's called them somewhere else. So step one is kind of like that, like, here's who we are as a church. Can you connect with it or not? Not that we're going to run people off. They can stick around if they don't connect with it. But we just need to give them an opportunity to make that decision so they can go somewhere else if they need to. I don't think they'll need to, but hey, you never know. So step one is when we give them an opportunity to make that decision. And then step two is when you discover your purpose. So this is when we dive into the details of like your personality. We help you discover your gifts and help you find your purpose in life. It's really, this is actually a really fun step because you like take the personality test, you take a spiritual gifts test, and, and it just reveals what, what you were called to do and who you are and some things that you didn't even know about yourself. It's really awesome. So that's what step two is all about. People will walk away from step two with clarity on what God has called them to do. And then step three is when you get to develop your leadership. Because the word leader, it actually just means influencer. And we all have influence in different areas of our lives. So whether you identify as a leader or not, step three is going to help you identify those areas of your life where you have influence, those areas where you have influence here at church, and just help you develop your leadership so that you lead all those well. How many of you guys think that that's a good idea? And then the last step is when you join the team. So we all have a part to play here at church, whether it's kids ministry, the hospitality team, or you're a small group leader, or you're on the worship team. There's a specific place where you belong. I believe that. So in step four of the growth track, we help you take everything you discovered in step two, and then you get to apply it by joining one of our teams here at church. And here's the deal, guys. This isn't about finding more volunteers. You guys might think, well, you just have an ulterior motive. You just want people to serve here at church. Well, this is actually about finding you, helping you find the team where you can show up every Sunday feeling just like I do. I was made for this. I was made to be here, and I was made to do this. That's what we want to help you find. So growth track is where we help people discover purpose, which leads them to the final step in their spiritual journey. Step four is when you make a difference. Bless you. How do we help people make a difference here at No Limits? We're going to call it the dream team. And this is just kind of like code word for our volunteers here, because we want you connected with a team that connects with your dream. That's why it's called the dream. We don't want to just throw you in kids' ministry because we need a kids' ministry volunteer. Okay? We've done that for a lot of, for a lot of we need kids' ministry volunteer. Any, any takers? Y'all, we're not going to do that here anymore. We're, we're going to get you on a team that's connected with your dream because that's how we're going to be successful in doing what God has called us to do. So when you show up to, to church to serve on Sundays or say you go on an outreach activity or you're leading a small group, what we want you guys to do is every time you show up to that stuff, we want you to have that feeling, have that knowing, I was made for this. I was made for this. So the dream team is simply all the teams of our church that give you an opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives. The hospitality gives you that opportunity. The kids team gives you the opportunity. And we, we need our dream team to expand. Because some of y'all are going to find out that you have a spiritual gift that doesn't fit, like we don't have a team available for you. So that means we're going to create a team, and we're going to expand the reach of our church through that. Super awesome, right? Because we're all called to do something. We need to find out what it is, and we just need to make it happen. That's why we're here. All right, let's do a quick recap. We help people know God through our Sunday services. We help people find freedom through our small groups. We help people discover purpose with the growth track. And we help people make a difference with the dream team. Is this making sense to everybody? Did I do a good job explaining that? I'm glad you all have this handout to take home so you can kind of go study that and remember what we talked about. Here's the deal. We've had many of these pieces together 
like going on in this church for years. We were just missing that one growth track. But now we're, so the future of this church is we're bringing all these pieces together into a beautiful puzzle so that it's all going to work together. And now that we have a step-by-step process for people to follow when they come in here and get to know God, the Lord's about to bring people in here. Because he knows that when they come here, they're going to be guided through that process to where they don't just get saved and then we forget about them. They're going to find Jesus and then they're going to go find their best life and live their best life. So he's had a harvest ready for us. The word says that the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. But we're ready. We're ready for our harvest and God's going to bring them in here. Can you guys agree with me on that? Amen. All right, let me pray over you before we close today. God, I ask that you would put on the inside of each of us your heart for those who don't know you. Help us to always remember that you would leave the 99 of us who are found to go to the one who is lost. And help us to have that same attitude. Help us to not make church all about us, but to remember that we're here to help people know God. And Holy Spirit, please show us when we've made church all about us. Help us to turn that around and give us a deep concern for the lost and an overwhelming passion and boldness to bring them into your arms. Now, you may be in here and you're like, there's, there's a strong pull on the inside of you. Cade, you've been talking about knowing God, and I don't know God. I want to know God. I want to know him. And you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. You're ready to make that decision. You know that you're not good at managing, that life, managing your life yourself anyway. Like, you need some help. And Jesus is the one that's going to give you that help. So if, that, if that's you, if you're ready for that, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. And here's what I believe. Whenever you say this prayer, Jesus is going to wash you clean. He's going to give you new life. He's going to fill you with joy. He's going to fill you with peace. He's going to fill you with purpose. So church, let's join them. And let's say this prayer together. Jesus, I've been living without you, and I don't want to do that anymore. I've done a lot of things wrong, and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and your grace for me. And I ask that you'd be my Lord. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I give my life to you. And I ask that you help me walk out your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So exciting. I'm so excited for what the future's holding. Amen. And here's the deal, that prayer that we just said, if you just said it for the first time, or you said it for the first time in a long time, I want to know about it so that I can celebrate with you. I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you to come up now, but I do ask that you come up here after the service today, just so I can celebrate with you. I'll stand up here for a little bit. You're just going to say, hey, Cade, I gave my life to Jesus. It'd be awesome. All right, y'all, I have a next step for y'all to take. Here at No Limits, we've never had, had a way for you to say, this is my church. But with the growth track, we're changing that. And since today was pretty much step one of the growth track, I want to give everybody in here an opportunity to become a member of No Limits. And basically, all, you're say- all that is is you're saying, this is my church. And you're like, Kate, I've been going here for years, and I've been serving here for years. You know that this is my church. That's- I still want you to take this step because it's just- it just solidifies that for all of us. And there's actually four things that I'm going to ask you to commit to as part of this church. And the first one is you got to commit to protecting the unity of our church. And you do that by acting in love towards others. You do that by refusing to gossip. And you do that by following your leadership. And the second thing is, I will share the responsibility of my church by praying for growth and health. 
by inviting my unchurched influence in my circle of influence to attend and warmly welcoming those who visit. I will serve my church by discovering my gifts and talents, using my gifts to make a difference in the lives of others and developing a servant's heart. And the last one, I will support my church by attending church and small groups faithfully, living a godly life, and giving regularly. All right, so here's how you do it. I made it really easy for you. Pull out your phone for me. And you're going to text the word member to 918-373-9883. What's going to happen is you're going to get a response with a link for you to tap. Just tap that link. It's really fast. It's not going to take you very long. I'm actually just going to give you two minutes right now to do it. It's just going to ask you for a little bit of contact information, ask you to agree to those four things we just talked about. So here's the deal. Even if you've been going to church here for years, and even if you've been serving for years, I want you to take this step. I want you to just let us know, okay, this is my church. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.